This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good to be back with you this evening. How many folks were here this morning? Just wave at me if you were here this morning. Well, thank you for coming back. I trust it will be worthwhile. It already has been, right? Let's just pray and we'll get right into God's Word this, this evening. Father, we just worship and praise you tonight. We thank you that you are the way maker. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. I rely upon you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you helped me to preach with a demonstration of the Spirit and power. Thank you, Lord, for signs and wonders that follow the preaching of your word. We give you alone all the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor real quick as, as you sit down and say, I'm so glad to see you here tonight. I want to speak to you tonight about the testing of your faith. And we're going to read the scripture here in James chapter 1, and we're going to look at it from a few different translations. When I, when I study the Word of God, especially when I'm studying to, to get a sermon to preach, I, I, I like to read scriptures from many different translations because sometimes you see something in one translation that you don't always see in another. And so in James chapter 1, verse 2, we're first going to start out with the New International Version, and this is what it says. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever... You face trials of any kind because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, say mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Now, the New Living Translation says it like this. When, tr when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. The message translation says, consider it a sheer gift. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. This is the Apostle Paul writing. I'm like, Paul, are you serious? Consider it an opportunity for great joy when troubles and tests come my way, consider it a sheer gift <laughs> when trials come at you 
When you have some trouble, you have some tri tribulation, consider it a sheer gift. What gift did you get me? I got you a trial. I can't wait to open it. I'm so excited. What's it going to be? Struggle. What am I unwrapping? Suffering. Consider it an op a, a, a gift, an opportunity for joy. Why? You see, the challenging of, you, you, you know that the testing and the challenging of your faith produces endurance and it produces perseverance. You see, the enemy is after your faith. That's what that test and trial is all about. He is after your faith. You see, faith is like a muscle. Faith grows in a similar way to the way your muscles grow in your body. How do your muscles grow and, and develop in your body? By feeding them and by exercising them. By placing resistance on your muscles. Well, it's the same with your faith. Your faith grows by feeding it on the Word of God and then by placing resistance on your faith. The reason we count it all joy when we face trials or trouble is because we know that when our faith is tested, when our faith encounters resistance, it grows and it develops perseverance. And as your perseverance or endurance grows, you will be mature, complete, lacking nothing. Can I tell you, you cannot reach maturity as a believer without your faith being tested. How many want to mature in the Lord? Wave your hand. Wave your hand. Now, you want to mature in the Lord. Well, then get ready because you cannot mature without your faith being tested. Can you say amen? Without going through some tests, some trials, some difficulties. If you read it from the Amplified Bible, James chapter 1 verse 3, it says, it says, the testing of your faith produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. It says, let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. The Passion Translation says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. <laughs> For when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being. Until there is nothing missing and there is nothing lacking. If we want to mature in the Lord, if we want our faith to be fully developed, if we want our endurance to grow, until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking, then we must remain joyful when your faith is tested, when trials and trouble come your way. Keep 
an attitude of joy because the test is all about your faith. The enemy's trying to steal your faith. Don't be surprised when you go through some fiery trials as though something strange is happening to you. The scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though something strange happened to you. Sometimes when we have trouble, we think, well, I don't understand this. Why is this happening to me? Listen, it's not strange. Don't be surprised. Verse, verse the, the New Living Translation says it like this. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world. The message translation says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God is not on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. In the very next chapter, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, be careful, watch out for attacks from Satan your great enemy, he prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks and be strong in your faith. Trust the Lord and remember that other Christians all around the world are going through the same kind of sufferings too. And after you have suffered a little while, our God, who is full of kindness through Christ, will give you His eternal glory. He will personally come and pick you up and set you firmly in place and make you stronger than ever. The Passion Translation says it like this. Take a decisive stand against Him. Resist His every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles that you endure. You see, everybody faces trouble. But we have to resist the enemy with strong, vigorous faith. How do you do that? You keep believing the Word of God. You keep declaring the Word of God. You keep speaking words of faith, no matter what's going on around you. When I have things come against me trying to steal my joy, I think about all that the Apostle Paul went through, and it encourages me. Steve, Steve what you're facing is really not that bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, I worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I've faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five times. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. Three times, I was shipwrecked. Once, I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas, I face danger from men who claim to be believers, and they are not. I've worked long and hard, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. How, have you, how many would agree the Apostle Paul faced some trials, some trouble, and some challenges? 
that go beyond anything. When's the last time you got whipped 39 times? When's the last time you got beaten with rods? When's the last time someone stoned you? And you know what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4? He said, I am overwhelmed with joy despite all our troubles. I'm overwhelmed with joy despite the trouble I face. You see, Paul wrote many of the scriptures we read from a prison cell. Paul proves that you can keep your joy no matter where you are, no matter what you face. Joy is what helps you get through those times. Joy is what gives you strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let me tell you, in the tough times, you need your joy because joy is what gives you strength. And that's why the enemy tries to steal your joy. That's the very reason he's after your joy. See, our joy is not dependent on what's going around us. You can be joyful going through some major trials because you know your faith is being tested, but you're going to come out of this stronger and better than you were before, lacking nothing. Amen? In Philippians 4, in verse 4, the Apostle Paul, he said, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes when things are going good. He said, Rejoice in the Lord Always, and again I say rejoice. And the New Living Translation says it like this. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice, be full of the joy of the Lord, always. The Passion Bible says, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the Anointed One. It goes on to say, in verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, what will happen? You'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can ever understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet as you, and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. You know, it's interesting to me. The Apostle Paul never prayed for people to be delivered from their troubles. He prayed God would give them strength to go through it with a joyful attitude. Are you letting insignificant things steal your joy? You've got to keep it in perspective. It is not worth losing your joy over. Don't let small, insignificant things steal your joy or keep you from seeing the gift of this day. In Habakkuk, it says this, in chapter 3, verse 17, even though the fig leaves have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, what am I going to do? Get depressed, complain, feel sorry for myself? No, he goes on, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. He was saying, everything's coming against me. Uh, I've had some bad breaks, businesses down, my, my, my income's low. Surely that's a reason to be discouraged. But his attitude was, no, I'm not giving away my joy. I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation. And the word salvation means deliverance. He goes on to say, this is the 
the New, New English translation, it says, I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. See, the reason I can rejoice no matter what comes against me because I know that my God will deliver me. I know that he's gonna take what was meant for my harm and he's gonna turn it for my good. The message translation says, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. I'm counting on God's rule to prevail in my life. See, when you stay full of joy, let me tell you, despite what's coming against you, God says salvation's coming, deliverance is coming, turnarounds are coming, healing is coming, increase is coming, victory is coming. When you hold on to that attitude of joy, that's why... The Apostle James wrote, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I remember when I was a new Christian and uh, Jerry Savelle came to South Africa and he preached a message called, if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. The scripture says in Hebrews 10 verse 32, don't you remember those days right after the light shined in your heart? You endured a great marathon season of suffering hardship, yet you stood your ground. See, when you came to the Lord, when you received Jesus in your life, can I tell you, that's when the fight began. Because you became a threat to the enemy. If you say, Pastor Steve, I don't have any trouble. The devil doesn't come against me. Then you're not very much of a threat to him. It says, at times, you were publicly and shamefully treated, being persecuted for your faith. Then at other times, you stood side by side with those who preached the message of hope. You sympathized with those in prison when all their belongings were confiscated. You accepted that violation with joy, convinced that you possess a treasure growing in heaven that could never be taken from you. So don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. You need strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will, and then you receive the promises in full. For soon and very soon, the one who is appearing will come without delay, and he also says, my righteous ones will live from my faith. But if fear holds them back, my soul is not content with them. You see, it's all about your faith. The enemy is after our faith. That's what he's after. But if you remain joyful, then the devil cannot keep what he stole from you. The, let me tell you, joy is an attitude of faith that allows God to work in your life. Jeremiah 33 verse 11 says, The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride who will say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever, and of those who will bring sacrifices of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. The New Living Translation says, I will restore the prosperity of this land to what it was in the past, says the Lord. And the Living Bible says, I will make this land happier and more prosperous than it has ever been before. What that is telling us is that when we remain joyful in the midst of the worst onslaught from the enemy, you can expect Jeremiah 33 verse 11. 
God will see to it that whatever was taken from you will be restored to you. See, Satan is a thief. He's trying to steal our joy. He's trying to steal our faith. He's trying to steal our goods. He's trying to steal our health. He's trying to steal our relationships. But if you will not allow his attack to rob you of your joy and you resist him with strong, vigorous faith, then he must return what he stole seven times over. (coughs) Tell your neighbor, keep your joy. Tell him, keep your joy. Because that's what keeps you strong. That's what allows God to do miracles in your life. Are you demonstrating great faith? You know, we see this when Paul and Silas were put in jail. And they sat with their feet in the stocks. They were in a Philippian jail cell in Acts chapter 16. Their legal rights had been violated. They'd been arrested without cause. They'd been beaten without a trial. But at midnight... They were singing praise so loudly that the prisoners could all hear them. They were rejoicing in the Lord, and a miracle happened. A breakthrough happened. What happened? Those doors of that jail flew open, and everyone's chains fell off, and the jailer ended up getting saved, and the next day they walked out the jail. I'm asking you to keep your joy, because life is going to throw you some curves. There will be some disappointments. There will be things that are not fair. Life is not fair, but God is good. That's when you have to say like Habakkuk, I will rejoice in the Lord. See, we should make, you've got to make a decision every day. I will be joyful today. I will rejoice in the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is most. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given to us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, We will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered the prayers of so many for our safety. I told you this morning how that, you know, the enemy, we've had the enemy constantly. I've had a lot of trials. I've had a lot of trouble. People think, move to America. Oh, it's going to be great. Let me tell you, it's much more difficult to build a church in America than it is here, from my experience. I've had many trials, many challenges, and I told you this morning how we bought a building and and, uh, and, and a year later, COVID hit, and anyway, the, the person who was carrying the, the note, the, the, the 
refinanced the building. He recalled it and, and called up the whole loan, $3 million. And all of a sudden, instead of paying $12,000 a month, it was $60,000. And I mean, it's a million rand, and it's going up a million rand a month. And now I just, I refuse to lose my joy. I refuse to get discouraged. I just kept thanking God. Pray, thank you, Lord, you're making a way. Thank you, Lord, you're taking what the enemy meant. You're turning it for good. In two weeks, we sold that building for $1.2 million more than we bought it for. We put the money in the bank, and I'm telling you right now, I'm believing God, we come out of this with a debt-free, paid-off building better than what we had before. I believe next time I'll see you, I'll be able to tell you. I believe that God can make all things work together for our good. I believe He's the way maker. I believe He's the miracle worker. I believe that He makes a way where there is no way. You know, it's easy to have faith when everything's going good. But we find out what kind of faith we have when we face trouble and difficulty. Romans 8 verse 28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for our good, for those who who love God and are called according to His purpose. And the Living Bible says, All that happens to us is working for our good. Say, everything that's happening to me is working for my good. If we love God and we're fitting in His plans, I take that attitude. When something comes against me, oh, this doesn't look good. Thank you, Lord. You take this and you turn it for my advantage. Joseph is an amazing example of perseverance. You talk about going through some trouble. His story begins when he was 17 years old and God gave him a dream. See, God can speak to you as a teenager. My story began at 16 years old when I received Jesus in this, in this church. You know, we've got to fight to reach this, reach this young generation. You know, statistics tell us that 80% of people who are followers of Jesus made that decision before the age of 18. What was Joseph's dream? He dreamt that his 11 brothers, he and his 11 brothers were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly his bundle stood up, and all his brothers' bundles bowed down to his bundle. And he goes and tell his, he tells his brothers, hey, guys, I had a dream, man. It was epic. It was awesome. You were all bowing down to me. His brothers were furious. They already hated him because he was the father's favorite. But now they hated him even more. And they plot to kill him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, he says, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into this pit in the wilderness. Because Reuben planned on coming back and rescuing him. So they stripped him of his coat of many colors that his father had given him. They threw him into a pit. Then they saw a caravan of, of, of a group of Ishmaelite traders on their way to Egypt, so Judah suggests that they sell their brother Joseph to them, and they did. Let me tell you, when you read the Bible, you'll realize your family is not as dysfunctional, dysfunctional as you thought. Joseph ends up in, in, in Potiphar's house in, in Egypt. He was a member of Potiphar's personal staff. Potiphar was the captain of the, of the guard for, for Pharaoh, the king's bodyguard. And Joseph had favor with Potiphar. He was put and promoted, put in charge of all of Potiphar's household. But not only did Joseph had have favor with Potiphar, he had favor with Mrs. Potiphar. <laughs> Mrs. Potiphar be liking Joseph a whole lot. The Bible says that Joseph was very handsome. He was well built, and she wanted to sleep with him. But Joseph refused her many advances. Finally, He runs from her as she tears off his clothes. And she accuses him of trying to rape her. And he's thrown into prison. He ends up in the wrong place for doing the right thing. Could it be possible that sometimes ending up in the wrong place is not an indication that you're outside of God's will, 
But could it be possible that it's the very indication that you are right in the center of God's will? Many men of God are falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused. Don't listen to gossip about men and women of God. Joseph gets into prison. Once again, God gives him favor. He's promoted to right beneath the warden. One day, the Pharaoh's butler and baker, they get thrown in jail, and they both have a dream, and Joseph interprets their dream. He told the butler, within three days, Pharaoh's going to restore you to your position. And he said, please remember me when it happens. And mentioned to Pharaoh, you know, remember me before Pharaoh. And then he told the baker, within three days, uh, you're going to be hanged. And both things happened. But the butler forgot about Joseph when he got out. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. No one can interpret it. Then the butler remembered and told Pharaoh about Joseph. And Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. Tells him there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. He advises Pharaoh to store up. During the years of, of plenty, we need a store. Pharaoh is amazed. And he promotes Joseph to be the prime minister over Egypt. Just like he dreamed. Sure enough, the famine comes. It, it affects the whole world. It hits Joseph's family in Canaan. His brothers are forced to go to Egypt to try and find food. And they are brought before Joseph. Just like he saw in his dream. They bow before Joseph. But they don't recognize him. Everything Joseph went through, all the trouble, all the persecution, when his brothers who sold him as a slave, when they stand before him, listen to what Joseph says. And I'll be closing with this. Genesis 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself be before his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's ho household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified. I bet they were. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourself for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. and the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for a remnant on earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but it was God who sent me here. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler over all Egypt. So here's the question. Was Joseph sold or was he sent? Joseph goes on and he says in Genesis 50 verse 20, as far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to this high position I have today so I could save the lives of many people. I believe the same is true for you and me, family. I believe in the name of Jesus, God takes what was meant for our harm and He turns it for our good. He makes everything work together for the good of those who love Him. I believe no matter what you're facing, you're coming out of this stronger. You're come out, out, you coming out bigger. You're coming out better. I believe in the name of Jesus that I'm trusting God for a debt-free church. Whenever you face trials, troubles of any kind come your way, tests and challenges come at you from all sides, count it pure joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. 
Oh, here comes another trial. Praise God, I'm so happy and joyful that I'm facing this trial. Why? Because I know I'm coming out of this stronger. I'm coming out of this better. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can because you know your faith is being tested, but it's going to release perfection into every part of your life until there is nothing missing and there is nothing lacking and, and, and you are mature and you are complete in Jesus' name. Do you receive that tonight? Hallelujah. Count it out. Shout it out. I count it all joy. I consider it an opportunity for great joy. Say, I, I, I count it as a sheer gift whenever I face trouble, whenever I face difficulty. Because I know, say, I know my faith is growing. My endurance is growing. I'm going to let it keep on growing until there's nothing missing. Say it with me, nothing lacking. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Say, God causes everything to work for my good. Say, I resist every attack of the enemy with strong, vigorous faith. My God supplies my needs. He is my healer. He is my deliverer. He is my protector. He gives me the victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you. For every person here tonight, I don't know what they're facing, Lord, but you do. And I thank you, Father, that as they count it all joy, I thank you, Father, that you turn what the enemy meant for their harm, you turn it to their good. I thank you, Father, their faith is growing, their endurance is growing, and we thank you, Lord, for the great things, the breakthroughs that are in their future. In the mighty name of Jesus. While you have your, your head bowed and, and your eyes closed, we want to we wanna pray right now. If there's, if there's anyone here tonight, and if you're not sure where you stand with the Lord tonight, if you're not sure if all is right between you and God, let me ask you this question. If you were to die tonight, can you say that you know for sure that heaven is where you would spend all of eternity? Would you have to be honest and say, Pastor Steve, you know, I hope I, I, I go to heaven. I do believe in God. I, I'm a member of such and such a church. Listen, I'm not asking if you believe in God. The Bible says even the demons believe in God and they tremble. I'm not asking you if you're a member of, of a church. What I'm asking you is if you die tonight, are you absolutely certain that you would go to heaven for all eternity? Because the good news is you can know that for sure. You can walk out of here tonight knowing that all is right and all is well between you and God, knowing the Lord is with you, He's on your side, knowing when you die, heaven is where you are going to spend all of eternity. I want to pray for you tonight. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I want to make sure when I die, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to, I don't want to go to hell. Listen, heaven is a real place. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun you want, if you say, Pastor Steve, pray for me, include me in that prayer. I want to be sure that all is right, all is well with me and God. I want to be sure heaven is where I'm going to spend all of eternity. Pray for me. If that's you, I want to ask you just to lift your hand up. Lift your hand up high. Wave your hand. I'm, I'm looking for hands. If your hand is raised, you're included in this prayer this evening. 
Lift it up high. Here's my hand, Pastor Steve. Pray for me. Does anyone see have any hands? I see a hand over there. See a hand over there. Anyone else? Lift it up. I see a hand over there. Lift it up high. If you raised your hand, I want you to please say this prayer. In fact, can we all please say this prayer together? Everybody, especially if you lifted your hand, but everybody say this. Say, dear God, I thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to come to this earth for me, to die on a cross, take my sin and my punishment. Lord, you said that if I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and if I would confess with my mouth that He is Lord, I will be saved. I do this today. I believe, Jesus, you're alive. You're the Son of God. You've been raised from the dead. And I confess, you are now Lord of my life. Jesus, from today, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what your Bible says. Say, I thank you that I am now saved. I am born again. I'm a child of God. God, you are my Father. I am your child. Heaven is my home. And my name is written down in the book of life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.